Thank you for coming. My name is Damon Wise. Welcome to this talent talk. Uh, today we have for you the director of Wounds, Bhavav Gambari, and the producers Luke and Toe and Christopher Cobb. If you want. And yeah, sure. um, did anybody see the film this morning? So we've got a couple. I just think um, for the purposes of non-spoilering, um, I think we're going to have a we're going to have a very general discussion about filmmaking, um, Babak's career so far, um, and just uh, you know maybe we can get some specific questions later. But I'm just going to start with some very general things. Sure. So let's start with Wounds. How did Wounds come about? Where were you in your career, and, and what? What started it? How did it come about? So after I finished Under, uh, uh, yeah, after Under the Shadow, uh, uh, we were looking for my next project with my producing partner, Luke, in here. And, uh, and then luckily Chris showed up with this wonderful novella called, uh, originally called The Visible Filth by brilliant writer called Nathan Ballingroot. And, and Chris was like, I think you're going you're gonna to like this. Have a read. And then we, we read it and we immediately fell in love with it. And... Uh, and I just felt like it was a great follow-up for uh, Under the Shadow. Um, so yeah, that's that's how it started. Do you, do you guys want to jump in? Yeah, I mean, I would say that when I read the novella, um, I wasn't exactly sure what it was or how it could be a film, but it stuck with me. Um, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And then once I saw Abak's film, it all kind of clicked and felt like, that was the moment where I was like, I understood what it could be. And fortunately, um, Babak loved, loved it as much as, 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 as I had. And, and we moved from there. Um, it's, you know, it's not the most obvious piece of source material. Um, but uh, there was something about it that just resonated with, with me and, and kind of hung on for me. So that's what I felt like there was something here. And, and, and you know, we're here today because of that initial response, but obviously because most importantly because of Babak's vision for it. Yeah, I, I think um, I, I just echo that. I think as, as a piece of content, you know, it was a story that really resonated with myself and Babak, and we talked, you know, an awful lot about what his next film would be, and this just kind of felt like a really, you know, nice next step. It was an English language, and I think um, it gave you a really op good opportunity to kind of just um, just flex your muscles on it. Yeah, take language. the next step. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in a nutshell, what was what is the novella about for people who haven't seen the film? Um, it's the long line. Who, who wants to go? You're the <laughs> um, it's about a charming bartender in New Orleans, uh, played by Army Hammer, uh, who who's really fun, friendly, but he's quite shallow. And uh, one night at his bar, uh, he finds a cell phone uh, being uh, left behind, and he shouldn't really look at what's on it, but uh, but he does, and then he sees some very horrible things that uh, turns his life upside down and starts affecting him and the people around him and his relationships. Did I do it justice? <laughs> how, fa how faithful did you say to the novella? It's pretty faithful. Uh, and like from day one, uh, when I read it, I think my first reaction was that I want to be as faithful as possible. But as, as you, you, know, you all know, it's like when you're adopting something for a film, it's a different medium. And the novella was quite short. Uh, but yeah, the, uh, I think it's, it's yeah, it's it's very faithful. Yeah. Um, and so, well, how long did it take to write the script for you? Is it from from a novel? How long did it take to to develop that? It was actually a good uh, 
quick process. Uh, it was like one and a half years of development. Yeah, I think it was about one and a half years from yeah. kind of um, getting the novella to rolling camera. Um, yeah. And when we got the novella, it was you know we went very quickly to work with a company called Annapurna, um, and you know they kind of embraced the vision that we had for it. They embraced our pitch, and I remember that sitting in New York, just giving them the pitch, which was essentially the ending of the film, and they, they just said, they said, sold. Yeah. Um, and we moved the script pretty quickly after that. Um, and we started shooting in March, I think, last year. So it was a good, quick process for from script to yeah, camera. Yeah, it was sad that they, uh, Annapurna sent us down on a research trip. Um, so we spent about a week down there with Nathan, the, the writer of the um, novella, and I think for you, probably kickstarted it in, in a big, big way. It, it was we actually have done that trip. If we wouldn't have done that trip, I think maybe the development would have taken a little bit longer yeah. and been more typical, but that really just ignited the process. Is that standard, a, re a research trip, or is that something that Annapurna do? Something we asked for. I mean, it's something we asked for when we were, when we were working on our deals because we thought that it was important to. Um, to be down there, um, obviously, you know, Babak's uh, from the UK and we felt like being down there and having the research done in New Orleans was important to it. And we also felt like Nathan needed to be there. Um, it's somewhat based on his his life. Um, he was a bartender down in New Orleans at a, at a certain up hub there. Um, so he, you know, it was very personal to him. So we felt like he needed to be there to navigate for us so yeah yeah and, and a lot of the um novella was set in a bar so we got to see a lot of uh new orleans nightlife while we were there <laughs> that kind of research yes research <laughs> in-depth in research <laughs> um yeah no it was uh it was actually i think uh just to repeat what you said it was very key to have nathan there uh and he was a perfect guide and you know, because New Orleans is pretty much, uh, it's almost like a character in the film. I mean, it's not a, well, one thing we tried to avoid is to make a postcard movie, like, uh, but, you know, it was important to get the feel and authenticity of New Orleans, yeah. Um, to go back a little bit, how important was your first film Under the Shadow in getting this film together? I mean, was that, would you have had these meetings? Do you think you've had these opportunities if you hadn't had the critical success for that film? No. <laughs> I had that film pretty much open open all doors for me and um yeah so so definitely that was that that paved the way um i mean that's why chris came to us with this novella in the first place um and um yeah so yes to answer your question yeah um how do you get an actor like army hammer into, into a project like this i mean it's kind of unusual um how do you get to people like this if you've got a very niche project that you know wouldn't necessarily appeal to every Hollywood star imaginable. How did, how did you get to him? Um, I, I, well, that's a great question. I, I think after Under the Shadow, um, you know, you know, Babak assembled a really great team of reps, and, and you know, in the UK and in and, and in the US. And when we were talking about this project and putting it together, um, you know, obviously working with the reps and and with the kind of talent that that was existing within their stables was, was a really useful yeah. and important part of this process. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, you know, we had one meeting with Army and Babak kind of fell in love with the idea yeah. of, of, of Army playing this role. He'd never actually done a role like this. And, you know, taking himself into that really dark place was a was an important piece of why we wanted to work with Army. Um, but Babak can probably talk a lot more to that. Yeah, he was, um, uh, so it was around the time that Call Me By Your Name was coming out and, and everyone's saying, um, yeah, you know, Army's great. I've obviously been a massive fan of him since Social Network. Uh, so like Lucian said, my very first meeting with him, uh, I, I fell in love with him and, it, and it was like, I have this project, 
can you read it, please? And he said, yes. And I remember I sent it to him. Like the next day, he sent me one line. He said, dude, you're fucked in the head. <laughs> I was like, I love it. And, and then, yeah, and then it started from there. And I started chatting with him and he said, he's a brilliant, brilliant man and a brilliant actor. And he said, I'd never done anything like this before. And I'm really excited to explore this. So, so yeah, it was, it, was, it was amazing to go on this journey with him, yeah. And Dakota, how did you find, how did she get involved? Uh, same way, like through uh, reps and, um, you know, we were looking for uh, uh, both Alicia's character and uh, Carrie's character. So Dakota plays Carrie, Will's girlfriend in the film, and Alicia as Stazzy Beats. Um, and yeah, again, uh, started uh, rep setup meetings and met Dakota. Uh, we got along and it started from there. And with Zazie as well, I guess Zazie was like, um, it was a bit different. So I was writing the script. As I was writing the script, I was watching Atlanta, the TV series that she's in. And immediately we were like, Zazie bits, uh, like she's going to be perfect for it. And like, yeah, from, yeah, and, and then we pushed for it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, think, I think also, um, you know, from Zazie's perspective, I think that was a really easy choice. And you're know, working with the studio with Annapurna on kind of casting some of the other roles was kind of an interesting process as well. Um, so yeah, we worked closely with reps from the studio to kind of figure out you know, who we loved and who creatively would fit that role. And Dakota was, was pretty high up on our list. Yeah, I mean, I would also just add that obviously from his first film, there was just a lot of excitement from the agencies, not just where he's rep, but, up, but by all of them. And then also with the, when the script came out um, into the town prematurely as it always does. Um, <laughs> You know, there were just a lot of incoming phone calls on it, and so there were a lot. There was a lot of talent that was interested in in being a part of it, um, and we, you know, we were fortunate. Uh, I mean, again, is it have. having a previous film that that gets people on board oh, with such sure. a dark? Yeah, for, for sure, because I mean, that's how the, I guess they trust you. And like, uh, I got so lucky that all the actors in the film they the watch on the shadow they really liked it, and you know, they wanted to go on this journey. Uh, yeah, Army Dakota, um, you know, she was like looking for more challenging and, uh, you know, different stuff. And then, yeah, felt blessed that they all showed excitement. Yeah. <laughs> so did you, did you give them any homework? How do you prepare? Uh, yeah, especially with Army. I mean, like you guys haven't seen the film, but like, uh, like he, he's like the whole film evolves around it. I think there's like, he's in every single scene like there's like so uh with army i had because obviously he lives in america and i'm uk but we had like uh one or two sessions every week on skype and just really going through the character's background and like um you know like really map him out and um i actually think all that work paid off yeah, yeah and i think a big note you gave him was just don't turn up with a six-pack, please. Oh, yeah, that was like, I was like, really? Because, uh, you know, he's a fit, healthy, good-looking man. And, uh, you know, and the character needs to be this bartender who, you know, it's New Orleans. Uh, he drinks a fair amount. And so I, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry to say this to you. I was like, go on, say it. He's like, you know, can you not show up looking ripped? I said, oh, is that it? Oh, great, yeah. I'm going to start eating now. He nailed it. <laughs> yeah. He nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. Are you the kind of director that shows people films or gives them books to read or, you know, newspaper articles? Or? Um, yes and no, yeah. I mean, if it, if, if, if it comes up when you're talking to the actor, yeah, like, um, I'm trying to think if I, if we talked about any 
references um, movie-wise. Um, um, yeah, I mean, like, if it naturally comes up, yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, one of my references for this, like, I guess the films that inspired me were, like, early Cronenberg films. Uh, and, um, you know, um, yeah, that would be, yeah. I would just add that we were fortunate that you were given time to rehearse with them, right? Like, oh, a lot yeah. of times this isn't the case. You, you cast an yeah. actor and they show up on set, but we were given... Uh, an ample amount of time to spend time with Dakota, Zazie, and yeah, Army, especially yeah. um, in you know rehearsal sessions. But I think more importantly, just really kind of talking about the character, talking about backstory, and allowing them to bring what they wanted to bring to it. It For wasn't sure. just a you know a, cool. a transactional like please show up this day and, and and roll like too many times, as we all know, like that is what it is. And thank thankfully we were able to prepare. Yeah, I think that, uh, for me, that rehearsal session like, uh, is so important. And like, I don't like block scenes with the actors, but it's just mainly about chatting about the character and like, um, yeah, and the background, who they are. And yeah, it really helps. Yeah, you're right, we were very fortunate to have that time. Do you consider yourself, you mentioned Cronenberg, yeah. uh, and the film has been described as horror, body horror. Uh, do you consider yourself a genre director or is that just something you work with? Could you? Would you like to specialize in genre, or is it just one of the things you want to do? I'm interested in good stories. To be honest with you, I love to show a bit of variety. Like uh, my next film, uh, well, hopefully the next film, it's not genre. Um, I'm I'm a I'm a fan of all genres, um, and you know I like to experiment with all genres. Uh, not sure I'd be good at romantic comedy because I'm not funny and I'm not romantic. <laughs> but uh, but other than that, yeah yeah I love to. Uh, like some muscles and like try different things but with this one it, it was the source material like you know after under the shadow i wasn't like actively looking to do another horror film uh i just read it and i thought it's great i want to tell the story i know exactly how to tell the story that excited me yeah, yeah. what are the pros and cons of making a, a genre movie is it to get financing or is it hard to get talent i mean what what sort of what, what challenges and, and well pros and cons are there? i mean obviously these movies are succeeding. Um, we didn't, you know, on the one hand, we didn't want to be um, like a stray genre film that, you know, I uh, the, all those movies will remain unnamed, but we wanted to be something different. Like we really feel like we wanted to be more like a psychological thriller, psychological horror, literary horror, or something like that. Um, I think that's where we, that's the lane that the film exists in. Um, and we just came to Annapurna at a time where they were really looking to kind of make this kind of film um so we were fortunate in that they were huge fans of Bobak's first film they were huge fans of the source material um and the timing on it just worked for us because it was something that they were um looking they were really committed to and looking to to do which you know as a producer was great because we we knew that there was a real incentive for them um if we, if we brought the film in there to 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 get it made which obviously is what you want to do so it was just the timing all worked for us um, I, I think um, horror as a genre I mean, sometimes has a bit of a stigma attached to it, but um, you know we, we see it you know, very much as an opportunity. You know you can tell stories with metaphors. You can be a bit more sophisticated in the retelling of stories. Um, and for us, you know, we see this very much as a psychological horror film, um, as much as there may or may not be some kind of other more broader genre elements. But um, you, you know, we, we see it like that. It's your second genre film in a row. What have you learned about the genre, and what, 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 in some, in some ways, what are the, what are the secrets of, of directing a good horror movie or a, a genre movie? 
get the characters right. <laughs> I think it's not. Um, it's funny because I always say that, like, when you're shooting uh, a genre film, like, uh, when you're doing like the ho the horror scenes, those are actually fun and easy. Just the, the 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 tough scenes are always like when it's two characters like sitting opposite each other and like chatting. Um, you know, that was the experience on both of my films that those are the scenes that you really need to pay attention to because if you don't get that right, then nobody's gonna invest in the characters. I guess like that's a very cliche answer, but like genuinely, like that's the most important thing. Yeah. Well, it's important to watch it with an audience. Yes, I, I, sorry, go on. No, I was just wondering whether you, whether you test screened under the shadow or how you, you know, just how do you know when a genre film is working? I, I actually think test screenings are very helpful. Uh, I also think that like there's like um, too much test screening can be bad as, at the same time because uh, then you kind of lose your own voice. And like, but, but I think it's helpful to have like one or two. With both films, we did test screenings and had questionnaires and that really helped us to figure out what bits work and what don't. And um, yeah, no, it's it's important, I think. Yeah. What, what were the best notes you had and what were the worst? Uh, I, can I say the funny one? Uh, uh, can I? No. Uh, uh, the worst one was, uh, there were like actually two people separately uh, wrote on the questionnaire, can we see more of Army Hammer's butt? And I was like, um, okay, that's very helpful. Uh, yeah, the, the, there, are, there are two questions. What did you enjoy about the film? It was Army's butt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what would you like to see more of? Army's butt. <laughs> and we had, an, we had another interesting response to that. It was, what did you enjoy most about the film? I met my new friend at the popcorn stand, and he bought me popcorn. So it was <laughs> lots of really incredibly useful feedback from those screenings yeah. um, and some other more entertaining stuff. Yeah. Uh, without going into detail, it's quite a disturbing film. There's a lot of disturbing uh, d images. Um, how Sorry. How do you know, how do you pitch that? How do you know if you're going to go too far? I mean, do you ever, is that, is that you saying, you know, maybe you've gone too far with this or do you self-censor? These guys never, they're just like, <laughs> good, yes. Uh, I, I'm also, I must say, when I was, I didn't think that it's, when, when we were making it, we were very excited because we knew that it's going to be a mental film. But watching it with an audience, uh, especially at Sundance, that's when I realized, I was like, oh, it's pretty crazy. I didn't realize it's that crazy. Uh, but um, uh, it's, I mean, like, it's a disturbing story. And it's meant to be about uh, this guy journeying to hell. And um, so I knew that I have to go there. Uh, and, and like, you know, it's like slowly builds up as you've seen it. So. Um, uh, yeah, I have no fear. I, I think as long as it doesn't become like gratuitous, like, um, you know, if there is a reason for it to be disturbing, why not? As, as long as it serves the story, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think that's a really key part. I mean, when we sat down through the development process, I mean, I, I, I mean I'm mean, i speaking for you, you're beside me, but, you know, using gratuitous violence or gratuitous, you know, nudity, it's, it's, not, it's not really something that Babak does unless it's needed to service the story. So I think that was that was your know, key part. I mean, we, we love creating conversation. We know the film can be polarizing in places, and a key part for us working with Annapurna was that we wanted to create that conversation. We wanted people audibly to say, "What the fuck's happening here?" Yeah. And I think um, hopefully we, we we got close to achieving that. Do you draw on your own fears for projects like this? Hundred percent. I'm a massive wimp. Uh, I get scared very easily, and I think it's very therapeutic for me to share the stuff that freaks me out with an audience. 
It's like, oh, it's just not me. It is pretty disturbing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we've got plenty of time for questions if anybody has any. I mean, um, I, I can talk all day, but um, if anybody has any questions, feel free to raise your hand. But, um, oh, oh, you got one? <laughs> oh, we have a raving mic as well. Yes. Um, I just, I haven't seen the film yet. I'm going to see it tonight. But I'm just curious about, you talked a tiny bit about the visual style, but maybe you can talk about how you worked with your DIP, your production designer, to, and how you really wanted this film to look in particular. Um, sure. Uh, my I always my DP. I we met uh, at film school. Uh, he's one of my best friends. Uh, he's now uh, our, one of our close friends, and I always work with him. Um, and um, s and the visual style. Uh, it was, uh, you know, I wanted to stay close. I think you said the interesting thing when you watched the first cut. You were like, it's 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 kind of obvious that it's your film uh, based on Under the Shadow. I mean. Uh, it's, it was, the visual style for me, it's really important. I think it's like a triangle between uh, the director, the DP, and the production designer. And uh, so, like I said, my DP is like almost half of my brain. And uh, we talked about references, like the references we use, obviously, Cronenberg I mentioned, Don't Look Now, uh, like loads of 70s films. Um, and um, and then getting the feel of uh, New Orleans right as well. Um, we watched uh, Angel Heart. Uh, and uh, and loads of Treme actually the TV oh. series <laughs> even though it's like it's it, that's very naturalistic looking. Um, also, we, we with both Under the Shadow and this one, uh, the plan was to start it looking slightly more real and naturalistic, and bit by bit sort of make it more contrasty and like as he, as the character descends into this nightmare world and. Uh, Again, I was blessed also to work with this great uh, production designer, American Chad Keat, uh, very experienced, and he brought a lot to the to the look as well. And um, yeah, I'm not sure I'm, I'm, I answered your question. What is your, your background as filmmaker? You said you went to film school. How did you get to where you are now? Um, uh, interesting question. I, I, I knew I wanted to become a filmmaker at the age of 10 and 11, and... Um, and, you know, in all honesty, it's like such a cheesy cliche answer, but it was like, as, as a 10-year-old, I was watching uh, Steven Spielberg films and Tim Burton, like Beetlejuice and Batman. And at that age, I was like, this is what I want to do. Um, I was also obsessed with Tintin. <laughs> I still am. Uh, and uh, so I was like, maybe I should get into comics, but I can't draw. So I was like, no. So, uh, I, so that, that idea of like telling stories through images uh, always excited me. So then I, I went to film school at Westminster in London, and we actually have a fellow student there. <laughs> yeah, um, and um, I got a lot out of film school. I mean, most importantly, I always say that just like even like finding my DP there. Uh, so yeah, I studied there and graduated, started doing the thing that most people do being a runner on like some not great films. Then ended up working for MTV as a video editor for eight years, and um, you know that was an interesting, uh, you know, being an editor and like that that taught me a lot as well. And um, and then yeah, making short films on the side, um, and I guess the the starting the real starting point for it is I made a short film called Two and Two uh, in 2011 and went to festivals, got nominated for BAFTA. Off the back of that, I got signed with my UK agent, um, 
And he said, okay, what do you want to do? I said, I have this idea for a Farsi language horror film set in 80s Tehran as my first film. I was like, are you mad? <laughs> and I was like, yes, I am. And I was tenacious about it. So that, yeah, sorry, that was my journey. Then made Under the Shadow happen with this fella. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, I think we were the only people silly enough to say yes to him. <laughs> um, he kind of What made you say yes? Um, that's, that is a good question. I, I actually don't know. Um, <laughs> I think we were just desperate to make something. Um, but we, uh, we obviously, we, we love the short film. We love two and two. Um, and when we met Babak, just his enthusiasm and passion for the project you know, really shone through. I mean, this was clearly a very personal story for him. It was part of his upbringing, arguably was his upbringing. Um, and I think, you know, we sat with him and he said, well, I've had a lot of interest in the project. I think he had 10 or 12 meetings around town and everyone loved the idea. But the comment was obviously, or so was, was often, can you make this in English language? And I think we were the only company stupid enough at the time to say, we, we can do it in Farsi, yeah. maybe? And that was kind of how it came together. Genuinely the only, the only people, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Visionaries. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, do you have any questions? Film student. Uh, hi there. Uh, hi. Congratulations again on the film, and thank you very much for thank the you. talk. I have a question about uh, your writing process specifically on Wounds, it being an adaptation. You say that you set out to make something that was very faithful, and you, I, I confess I haven't read the novella, so I'm, I'm not sure about that myself, obviously. But even with that in mind, do you, uh, was there any, were there, were there moments where you felt torn between uh, a different direction that you might, might have wanted to take it compared to what sounds like a very personal story to the original writer, and if so, how do you overcome that? Um, to be honest with you, no. Like, I think from moment one, I knew exactly w which direction to take it. And um, it, you know, it was a very personal story for the writer. I mean, like, inspired by his past. Uh, obviously, it's a work of fiction. It also talked to me on so many different levels. That's why I fell in love with it, and um, and I thought the characters were so real. And like I, I was like, I knew the, I know these people. I, you know, I, I've, I've seen them in real life, and um, I think that's what uh, excited me. So yeah, no, I wasn't. I, I don't think I was ever torn about like, like, like I said, like that was like our pitch to Annapurna was like, this is how I'm gonna do it, and they were like, great, let's go. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the really, it's. It's faithful. I mean, there's a couple of changes, but there really aren't many. Um, and Annapurna supported that, which was fantastic. I mean, we were fortunate to be able to go to them, make the movie we wanted to make, and they weren't asking us to put anything in that was nonsensical or that we didn't believe in. Like, we were able to do what we wanted to do. Um, the novella is incredible. I mean, you should you should read it. It was shortlisted for the Shirley Jackson Award that year, um, and it's out now with, I'm not, promoting him or maybe I am <laughs> yeah, you're, um, but it's out now with uh, with a collection of other shorts that, that, that he's done is it also called wounds yeah. I was gonna say is it a movie tie-in version called wounds yeah yeah, okay. yeah it was a you know, the novella is called the visible filth um, the, the, collection. The, the collection is called wounds and we, we collect nothing off of that that's it's not yet we don't yeah. why did you change the title um, uh, it was basically came from the bar. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, there were a lot of conversations around the title, and, and I think the visible filth was kind of resonating with, with us as filmmakers, and I think not necessarily with those who were screening. And, um, you yeah, know, we had a couple of options kicking around, but we all kind of loved wounds, and that was 
that was kind of something we talked about right up at the top, but something that came back right at the end. Um, go, to go back to the writing and the acting, um, are you a fan of improvisation at all? Do you like your actors to improvise, or are you, are you, are you a... Yes, to a certain degree. Uh, you know, I, I, you know uh, there are like, mm, there are like moments in the film that was just completely improvisation. I love to give that, give that freedom to the actor, but as long as it's controlled. You know, like they don't suddenly go, uh, uh, you know, too much off the page, and um, you know, and then obviously, then you have that freedom in the edit as well to go through that with the editor and say, okay, is this like, should we keep it more focused? Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think it's important to give that freedom to the actors. Did you have any kind of trepidation about working with Army? Because obviously, you're working with a Hollywood name. I mean, is there anything advice you would give to people about working with when they make the step up? How do you? <laughs> Just work with Army. Um, is, is, there, is, there, is there anything you learned from, from making that step up in terms of the actors I you're directing? The most important thing for me is having that chemistry, with, especially with your lead actor. And uh, I, I, you know, I can't praise, praise him enough. Uh, you know, I got very lucky with Army because uh, even though he's a Hollywood actor, he was so down to earth and was so supportive, like had my back throughout this process. Uh, and really worked hard. Um, so I think the first and foremost, you need to find a friend who you can trust, uh, you know, like uh, many things in life, yeah. I think it's important for us to have a uh, family, yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, I would just add that, I mean, Army's just a phenomenal person as, yeah. as, as much as he's a phenomenal actor and, and he, he treated everybody on set in the same way. So he really yeah. set the tone, whether he was talking to somebody at the studio or whether he was talking to us or whether he was talking to a PA who like was there one day, wasn't there the next, he treated everybody equally. And, and that's just showing up to work every day as you do when you're making a film and, and the strain that that comes, that comes with that, um, his professionalism and his just real empathy and, and, and love for people and interacting with people just really made the, the, the set an incredible place to be, really benefited the film. You can see Army has an effect on, on men and women. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, oh, question here. Hi. Um, so when uh, working with the actors and developing backstory and everything like that, obviously um, coming from a novel or a novella, um, you've got a lot of uh, that building already done for you. But did you feel um, it was necessary for yourself as a filmmaker in both um, for the actors to have the freedom to kind of move away from the backstory that was developed within the book or did you uh, prefer to kind of um, let them read the book and then base their kind of their work on that? Well, uh, I actually think I asked Army not to read the novella and just start off with the script. And uh, I mean, the novella obviously is the foundation of all the characters, but uh, we try to recreate the all the characters from scratch for the film. Um, you know, rather than like, yeah, yeah. So, so we, you know, with Army and all the other uh, uh, actors, like it was just important to start fresh. And but, like I said, because the foundation is there, automatically it kind of goes in that direction anyway. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. You did beat. You did build the mythology though, which is something yeah. that was uh, like unusual, but I think very helpful. Yeah. But not sure. shared with them. Yeah, yeah, I, I had this, like, I mean, it was really important for me for the the main characters to not know exactly what's happening. Was, that's the whole point of the film. Uh, but, um, and the mythology, 
uh, yeah, I had like six pages written about like what this is about, what's happening, what's the mythology behind it, but like kept it really secret. I, I tried to be uh, also in the film as well. I left clues, but it's not like, So you do believe in uh, a lot of actors, sorry, a lot of directors um, uh, don't always withhold information from actors. So you do believe that, that withholding can be a good thing? It, it, it really depends. Uh, for this one, I if it was important for me, uh, like for Will's character played by Army, to sort of like um, be a real human being that like suddenly all these like... Um, unknown stuff is happening to him and like he's as lost and I don't army never asked to know that much about it and I didn't really actively uh you know uh you know try to you know give give it to him or like show it to him but but um I I think it really depends on the situation um I I'm in I do think if the actor wants a piece of information that if they think that it's a helpful tool for them you need to share it but uh yeah army was had full trust in the process and never actually, you know, asked for it. Um, two types of effects in the movie, VFX and, and practical effects. Yeah. What was it like working with them and uh, what did you learn from um, using them? Both films I learned a lot on VFX. Uh, uh, I mean, with uh, sorry, going back to Under the Shadow, we didn't really have a big budget, so it was like uh, me, the DP, us like trying to figure out how to do the effects and having the VFX company coming afterwards and saying, okay, you did this wrong, you did this wrong. Uh, this one was a slightly bigger budget. But well, yeah, yeah, this was a slightly bigger budget, but we had the genius, it was Tony Gardner involved in yeah, the, and, the and factory also. Ba basically, um, sorry, getting a, turning into a nerdy fanboy, Tony Gardner, our, our uh, special makeup artist, um, he's done stuff. He, he started uh, his career working on Michael Jackson's Thriller. And uh, and he'd done like loads of films that I would, like grew up watching, like uh, Hocus Pocus and like Nightbreed. And so when he showed interest in the script, I was like <laughs> over the moon. So he did a lot of the practical makeup effects, and um, and then um, we had live cockroaches, <laughs> hundreds of them on the set. Uh, so um, a lot of the cockroaches are real, but like you said, it's fifty-fifty. And um, and then. Yeah, with, with each project, I lear I'm learning more and more about like how the effects work. Yeah. What did you do wrong the first time around, and how did you correct it? Uh, we, we had people standing under green sheets, running around, pretending to be ghosts, I think, in the first film. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we had one of the producers wearing a green costume, running around, and I was like, this is actually more work for us. We have to like paint some out every, frame by frame. So I was like, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, coming into this film, I wasn't a part of the first film, but the VFX for you was always really important. Like, we spent a lot of time in, in pre-production studying the script and how we could build it yeah. between um, special effects versus VFX. Uh, honestly, if I can shoot everything in camera, I will totally do it because it's a... Um, it's a it's a weird thing we fix. You you hear a lot of promises at the start, and then uh, you know you need to really fight for it. So I I always actively say if you can get it in camera, go for that option first. And um, it's a lot of work. You know you, people think it's fun, but it's actually part of the process that it's it can be quite exhausting. Yeah, yeah I, I think also simplicity is, is yeah. kind of the key as well. Yeah. It's kind of you know, we, we, we talked for hours and hours about how to change the color of bath water, days, weeks, months, and realized that 
die just did it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was that, but it was also the cockroaches. I mean, we, we, we got our stamp of approval because no cockroach was harmed during the making of the film. And that, How do you know that? Well, one was, well, one was no, injured, believe, but, but he's yeah. fine now. It, um, it, it takes too much time to work on that. But yeah, we, um, you know, we had cockroach wranglers and there were just certain scenes where you couldn't, you just couldn't have cockroaches running around. But yeah, no, we spent days on, on shooting them and, and many days on preparing for it. So if, if basically they had to, if any cockroaches were gone missing, we had to shut down the set, look everywhere for them and find every single one of them. And there were hundreds of them. And this Wrangler guy had like, he was something out of a nightmare. His hat was like falling all over. So do you want to hold one? I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> and, and they stink. I, I never knew how badly they stunk. Yeah, like, and um, no, it was, it was a fun process, but you know, there are loads of cockroaches in New Orleans. That's why it's like almost a character in the film, but you cannot kill a cockroach in front of the camera. Uh, so, you know, um, yeah, so, so, yeah, it's, it's fun. I mean, you can exterminate them and pay people to come into your house to do it, but as soon as you're on a film set, you have to count them in and out, which is a kind of arduous process, especially yeah. with the number of cockroaches we, we used. Yeah, we even when you had a dead one on the film, you had to have paperwork to show that you like bought it from um, a store and that you weren't yeah, the one that killed it. And we had like animal protection person showing up on the set, making sure that we're not harming any cockroaches. Um, <laughs> And, and then one, one day, one of, like, they were late or something. This is my favorite line in the film. Well, the line producer was trying to call them to get, because we were running late. And then my favorite, like, he was on the phone. He was like, I don't give a fuck. I want to shoot some cockroaches. <laughs> and I was like, this is a surreal thing to hear. <laughs> you know? um, but yeah, it was fun working with cockroaches. <laughs> um, do, do we have another, another question? Oh, uh, jump here then. Oh, sorry. Oh, then you, um, you're next. Uh, I, it was mostly for the producers, you know, side. I, I want to know how involved you are and you like to be in the writing process, you know, because we sometimes tend to think of producers as just enablers, you know, but um, the creative side of producing, you know. Yeah, well, why, don't we, why don't we ask Baba? Oh, shit, you put me on the spot. Go, no, no um, I mean, I, I think we're as involved as, as Babak needs us to be. I mean, we work really closely through development. We read drafts and we deliver our notes as, as we kind of do. But, um, you know, Babak is, is, a, is a force hunter himself and kind of loves riding and, and does a great job. So luckily, there's not, there wasn't much, much involved. friendly I think, process, you know, it's like, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it's a director's medium, right? Like, uh, we, we're all fortunate to work with a, a number of incredible writers, but until you have the director to unlock the film, it's it's really nothing. A great script is a great script, and, and that's lovely, and you can get on the blacklist, but if you don't have a director to push it forward, you've got a great script. Um, and so for us, I think it was just important to make sure that we were supporting the vision that Babak brought to the process, and if that meant we had a note that we wanted to discuss with him, then we'd bring it to him. And, and but really, it's just about setting the foundation for putting the film that he wants to make on the screen. And I think that's what we tried to do for him. Um, I think that being very modest, to be honest with you, I, it's really I think it's really key to have that objective voice because when you're writing, it's such a lonely process, and you're really in it. So then, you know, when you share it, having that voice of reason going like you know this doesn't really make sense and you go wow okay i mean lucian uh, knows me very well uh, at this stage my usually when i get notes my initial reaction is like no no fuck you no 24 hours later coming back i was like 
you know what? Actually, you're right. <laughs> I, I, I just don't give notes anymore. It's much easier. Well, there is, there is the time delay, right? So, so, so we get emails or texts from Babak in the UK, and then I wake up to them in, the, in New York, and then Lucan wakes up to them in LA. So there's like, you have to deal with it in certain different stages. A stream of expletives <laughs> across time zones. By that time, it's 24 hours, and I sleep over them. And then I go back, and it's like, I, you know, I should, I should listen. It's all about why you're not up to talk about this. Uh, sometimes I do, actually. <laughs> but we're all mates. So a, a lot of caps and bold and underlining. <laughs> And an emoji here and there. It's, it's normally the eggplant one with a splat. No, 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 actually, I sometimes put a smiley face to say, like, I'm not shouting. <laughs> My cap's button stuck. Question yeah. um, here? Yeah. Um, it's just going back to the visual effects things again. Uh, what stage do you bring in VFX supervisors? Do they work on planning shots during like As early as possible. Three, and it needs to happen from like, Pre-production, they're all, they're an, uh, they're important HOD, so they need to be there. They need to be talking to the director, the DP, sometimes production designer. It, they yeah, as early as possible. Um, yeah, you know, especially if you have a VFX heavy scene, you need to storyboard it. You need to talk about what's doable, what's not doable. So yeah, it's, it's not one of those jobs that they just show up on set day one and go like, okay, do this, do that. You know, they, they need to be actively part of the planning. Mm. Yeah, we were fortunate again and to to have the ability to to have the time, you know, but we were having these conversations eight weeks out, 10 weeks out, and our supervisor was on the ground three yeah. weeks out. Um, a couple more questions, oh, no one here. So uh, there was a, a, a famous um, playwright called Sarah Kane who used to write um, horror plays, and um, she was once quoted as saying that, um, I write whatever I want, and it's the director's job to figure the rest out um, in terms of putting on the crazy, gruesome spectacles. So um, being the, the writer and the director, do you find yourself uh, sometimes writing with the director's hat on saying, how the fuck am I going to do this? Or do you try to separate the two and say, write what you want to write, and then let, 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 let yourself figure it out later? I try as much as possible to separate them to 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 when i'm writing to think like i'm i'm a writer now and then put the director's hat on but it's not always possible like you know um it, it's actually helpful to be the director sometimes because you know you're writing something and you know okay i need to change this because i think um you know I, you become more efficient but like, i think it's important to separate the two at least yeah and I, I think also with, with Babak, I mean, maybe you have or haven't noticed in your process, but, you know, kind of getting closer to production, like in terms of tinkering with the script, it's less and less and less. And I think it's transitioning from being the writer to being the director is a really important part yeah. because the more you can mess with the script right up until the end of the end of the production, I guess. But it's kind of locking those two different mindsets. For you. And you were very clear about that with the studio. Like, yeah. there, there's, a, there's a time where I just like, I'm not writing anymore, and 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 I'm the director. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you have one or two more questions? Oh, oh. Sorry, I'm going to ask another one. Um, we're here in the UK Film Centre in Cannes. Um, we love that you're a British director. Um, you've obviously made this film in America. How do you see your future? Are you going to move to LA? Don't leave us. Um, <laughs> uh, how do you see? LA. Because it's obviously interesting to work on different 
I, I, places or what do you see? Honestly, UK is home. Sorry, I interrupted you. Yeah, no, UK is home. Uh, I don't see myself moving to America anytime soon. But uh, obviously, there's also loads of opportunities in America. So, um, you know, I'll go wherever the work is and wherever excites me. But uh, no, I'm not, act, you know, I don't see myself moving there and becoming, yeah, becoming like an American director. Does that even make sense? Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it, it's actually it's a nice balance. I mean, Babak and I actually we, we have a company together, and I, I'm based in Los Angeles, and he's based in London. Um, so you know, we we can work in both sides, which is great. Just lots of travel. Cool. So, final question: What are you working on next? What what what? I know you've you've only you've only just sort of debuted this one. What are you, what are you going to do? We have a few fun stuff in the pipeline. Yeah, we we do. We have a bit of television coming up. Um, which uh, which is really exciting and will go kind of from August through until February. Um, and then there are two or three features which are kind of circling. Um, we have true stories, we have kind of drama, we have a slight slight change of gear from from genre, but you know, figuring that out and hopefully get shooting for top of next year. Yeah. Um, if you could give people in here wanting to make their own film one piece of advice, what would it be? Uh, tenacity, thick skin. Be prepared for a lot of rejection, especially at the start of your career. Uh, you know, I I think it's a cliche for you because I already said that to you. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's really really important. Um, yeah. Um, that's all we have time for. Thank you very much. Well, thanks for coming. Thank you.